Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. chapter number one <clears throat> we'll begin reading in verse number 26 when you find your place I'll invite you to stand as we honor and reverence the reading of the word of God this evening Luke chapter number one <clears throat> and uh, verse number 26 still in the spirit of Christmas here as far as the message tonight the Bible says in Luke chapter 1 verse 26 and in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, notice this word, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Now go with me please to Matthew chapter number 1 while holding your place there in Luke. Matthew chapter number 1 and verse number 18. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused, there's that word again, to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took her, <coughs> excuse me, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now go back with me please to Luke and uh, Luke chapter number 2 <clears throat> and verse number 1. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. <clears throat> and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. Verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. 
uh, verse 5, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife. Note that word again, being great with child. <clears throat> and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. You may be seated. Let's bow for a word of prayer together and we'll get into the message <clears throat> that the Lord would have for us tonight. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence once again, as thankfully and humbly, Lord, as we know how. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that is ours to be able to gather in the house of God, to be able to meet with your people. Lord, to be able to come in on a Wednesday night and have church. Lord, what a blessing it is, God, to be able to, to worship you in spirit and truth, to be able to sing the songs like we've sung tonight, and Lord, just to be able to rejoice in the truth of them, and Lord, realizing that as we just sang just a moment ago, God, that we're going to be part of that glad crowd that is able one of these days to fly away, to fly away uh, from this world and to fly to where you are, uh, Lord God, to be where you are. And Lord God, we're so thankful for the truth of that good song. Lord, I just thank you, God, for all the songs we've sung tonight, everything, uh, God, that's been done in this place. God, we thank you for it. Lord, we realize there are many burdens and many cares in need of prayer. But, Lord, at the same time, you've been good. And we've had uh, several reports, God, of giving you praise tonight for your goodness and your grace in the lives of individuals. And, Lord, we thank you for that as well. God, we do pray for these next few moments, Lord, that it would be everything that you would have for it to be. I pray, Lord, that you'd forgive me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your spirit, use me for your glory, help me, God, to be a blessing, help me to be more than sounding brass and tingling cymbal. But, God, I pray, dear Lord, that you'd help me to present the truth, Lord, that you'd have here out of the word of God tonight to your people. I pray to your God that you'd make it plain, make it clear, make it easy to be understood. And Father, I pray to your God that you would be through the person of the Holy Ghost. May it be penetrating to our hearts. Lord, may you get down deep to where we are. May we rejoice. May we be fed. May we be strengthened. Lord, may that sinner come in contact with the gospel. May they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be born again. May the backslider receive a word of truth that they need to show them the reality of the uh, Lord condition that they're in and Lord the danger uh, God that is there with being backslid and may they get their heart right with you today and Father I pray may the saint of God find uh, Lord that which they stand in need of tonight and Father we'll thank you Lord for that which you do in the name that is above every name in the name of Jesus Christ I pray amen <clears throat> and amen uh, tonight I want to keep my word that I made to you last Wednesday night, uh, and uh, as I was studying for what the Lord had us bring this past Sunday morning, as I was studying those verses, I came across uh, this truth, and I felt like it would be the Lord's will for us to bring it tonight. In uh, Luke chapter number 1, and uh, in verse number 27, we find the Bible 
says that this angel of the Lord Gabriel came to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. Matthew chapter number 1 echoes these words when the Bible talks about Joseph as being a man that was, uh, that was espoused to a uh, lady by the name of Mary who was the mother of the Lord Jesus. And then Luke chapter number 2 uh, tells us in verse number uh, 5 that uh, Joseph came to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And tonight I want us to take the, uh, the, these three passages and this particular word that they give here uh, in the text. And I want to preach on uh, this espousal, the uh, biblical uh, espousal of an ancient uh, Jewish man and a, an ancient Jewish lady and how the espousal process here in the, this Christmas story pictures for us the rapture of the church. And I believe it will be clear to see and I believe that you will see it along with us this evening. But when we come to these verses we realize that in all three of them it does mention the espousal. It mentions the uh, engagement if you will uh, of uh, Mary and of uh, Joseph. This word espouse we use as uh, we would say it means to uh, be engaged but it means to be uh, more than to be engaged as we understand engagement. Uh, as you look at the story of the Christmas story uh, either in Luke or Matthew you realize that their engagement has to be different uh, than our own engagements that we have to be married here in the United States of America. When the Bible says that uh, Mary was espoused to this man Joseph the word espoused literally means to be betrothed it means to be affianced it means to be promised in marriage but not just a promise as uh, we have in our American culture to where we uh, propose and we uh, present a ring and we say we want to marry you and we're going to make plans to be married will you be my wife? And uh, men, we ask that question and the lady hopefully says yes, if the engagement is going to be that. And uh, then uh, it, we go on and we have a promise and uh, if you decide somewhere within the engagement that you no longer want to be married, then uh, you can just call it off and it's no harm, no foul. But that is not the way that it was here in the engagement of Mary and Joseph. We realize that throughout the reading uh, of these verses and about how the Bible describes their relationship, but because a spousal here in the text does not just mean a promise to be married, but is a, a promise to be in marriage by a contract. And I'll deal with that more in a minute. Be engaged, yes, it is a promise to marry, uh, to marry an individual. This means that Mary, uh, here the Bible says, is promised to be married to Joseph. Joseph is promised to be married uh, married to Mary. I'll say that five times fast. Amen. Uh, but promise to be married to Mary. And uh, there's much more that I could say here. But if I'm going to present this truth the way that I like to, I'm going to settle for just that statement that it, it carries with it the idea of a contract. The Bible here uh, has a lot to say about this, uh, about these relationships and about uh, their relationship. And uh, 
the Bible here mentions uh, that it has to be different. Look with me at chapter number 2 and uh, verse number 4 as well as uh, Matthew chapter number 1. Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter number 1. Uh, he, in, in these statements lies the difference between them and us. Luke chapter number 2 <clears throat> in verse number 5, the Bible said that Joseph came there to Bethlehem to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife being great with child. The difference is, is that here in this passage, the Bible does not say as we would say, well, this brother and this sister, they are engaged to be married. That's not what that says. It says that their espousal is a marriage. This is not his fiance, but the Bible says that Mary was at this moment as they entered into Bethlehem for Jesus to be born. She was his espoused wife. So in other words, they are engaged, but yet married legally. Matthew chapter number one says this in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph uh, before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Notice verse 19, then Joseph her husband. They are legally married yet they are still called engaged. You know and I'll be honest with you when I was a younger Christian that bothered me. Because I, as a, as a baby Christian, understood one thing about what it meant to be espoused, or what it meant to be affianced, if you will, what it meant to be promised together. And uh, here in America, you're not engaged and married at the same time. Uh, you're either engaged or married. The marriage ends the engagement, uh, but it does not necessarily start a marriage. Amen. When, when me and my wife, when we got engaged, she was not my bride yet, and I was not her husband yet, but the moment that we got married, we became husband and wife, and the fiancé stage ended, but here the Bible says for them they coexisted together. And I want us to look at this for a few moments this evening. I believe that the Word of God places this here uh, for several different reasons, but uh, one of the ones that I'll give you, and I'm skipping a lot of things tonight uh, just for the sake of time, but I do believe the Lord left that in the Bible that way because He understood uh, that as you and I would read it in the various cultures of the world, we would not understand what was taking place unless we began to try to dig into that frame of mind and to that moment in history and to follow their customs and understand how it is that uh, this espousal worked. And I believe when we dig down into it, we find a picture, a very beautiful, uh, captivating picture of a doctrine that God would later give to the Apostle Paul that we call the rapture of the church. Let me give you a few reasons how we can see this in uh, this uh, Christmas story and the espousal of this man Joseph and this man, uh, this, uh, this woman Mary. Amen. First of all, let me say something that about the bride-to-be. We see the rapture of the church in the bride-to-be. Of course, in this case, it is Mary that is uh, the bride-to-be in, in terms of enjoying the full benefits of marriage. Uh, she, is, she is his bride 
legally, but they are headed to enjoying the full privileges of marriage. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But marriage in ancient Israel was more than just the joining of two individuals. But in Israel, it was recognized as the joining of two families. Uh, the families would often be involved in planning for the marriages of their loved ones. And I know uh, probably several of us are here tonight are probably thankful that that was not the case in America. Some probably would say it'd be a good thing, but others would probably say it would not be a good thing depending on your parents. Amen. But the families would be involved. The parents would be heavily involved in the involved in the process of finding a spouse for their child. Uh, here in just a few weeks, if you follow a Bible reading plan like Brother Cody, the end of the year has him in Revelation. Chances are first of the year will be in Genesis again. When you come to Genesis chapter number 24, you'll find a dad by the name of Abraham that is heavily involved in his son finding a bride and sends his servant uh, to find a bride for Isaac. And so there we understand that if you'll look in Genesis chapter 24, you will find in that uh, early depiction of Jewish culture the way in a nutshell that this betrothal process would uh, begin. Uh, would begin. Uh, children in this culture were seen as great assets to their homes and to the homes of their parents. Uh, they were workers that would be needed uh, for the family to perform the important uh, tasks of their homes, many of which uh, were vital to the survival of their home and of their state. Husbands, uh, excuse me, sons would be necessary to provide the physical labor of the household. Uh, the girls in the home, the daughters were necessary not only for uh, household chores like cooking and making clothes, but also they were used as Genesis 24 would allude to for the uh, feeding of and giving water to uh, the animals of the home, the many animals that would provide both milk and meat for the family. They both, sons and daughters, were highly prized and you wanted to have as many of them as you could have because it pictured God's blessing upon your home, but more than that it was a free workforce. Can I get an amen? Here in the Bible tells us about the fact that Mary and Joseph were a spouse to each other. That meant that very soon Mary would be leaving her father and her household and she would be joining Joseph's family and Joseph's father if he was still around and their family and would become part of their uh, the workforce of their household. One family would be losing a vital part and another family would be gaining a vital part. Here the Bible in this uh, statement uh, spouse reminds us of this culture and uh, we understand it's depicted throughout scripture that sometimes a father would marry a child into another one's family to help form a an alliance or and a, wor a working relationship with that family uh, and uh, so that could be the case but uh, as we look in the Bible here and we look at what Matthew has to say about Joseph. It seems that this is more than just an arranged marriage. 
marriage, but it seems like Mary and Joseph truly do uh, love each other and have care and concern. And so while that is the case, we do understand that it is more than that in the life of the parents of our Lord. History tells us that most Israelites got married uh, underneath the guidance of their parents very young. Uh, while they were young and pure, most would uh, be married before they left their teen years. Very uh, young indeed. When we see Mary in our text, she is both young and pure. Luke chapter 1 verse 27 and Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 lets us know that she was pure. Luke 127 calls her a virgin. Matthew 118 says that they uh, mentioned before they came together, speaking of Mary's virginity and Mary's uh, purity, the word virgin also can speak of her age because it also alludes to her being a maiden, her being a young girl of married uh, uh, of marriage age, and so she is both young and pure. She fits the the description of someone that would be entering for the first time into marriage. Once the parents and the potential husband have agreed that uh, they are in interested in their, uh, ch their children having a relationship together, then the potential wife would be formally asked for her consent to the relationship. In Genesis chapter 24 and verse 58, we see this when Rebekah was asked, wilt thou go with this man? And Rebekah replied, I will go. The bride-to-be must choose to be in a relationship with the soon-to-be groom. Therefore, Mary had to have chosen uh, Joseph for her to be his bride and for him to be her spouse. When uh, the, this bride-to-be, when uh, choosing to be her partner's wife, she is saying that she will do as Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 24 teaches, that she will be one with her husband, that she will love her husband and serve her husband the way that she loved her family and served her family and that his people will be my people and we are joined together and we are one and we will live together in holy matrimony uh, in the fear of God. After this, and I promise I'm going somewhere with this, we'll see some applications as we go through. So don't, don't lose me tonight. This will be very historical in nature, but I think once we get to the end, you'll be at least glad you, you listened. Amen. After the choice where the bride would say, I choose to be his spouse, I make that voluntary choice. After the choice has been made, and it is very clear that the groom-to-be has extended an invitation to the bride-to-be to be united in relationship that would soon conclude with the full privileges of marriage and that it is also clear that the bride-to-be has agreed to the relationship completely of her own free will and has not been coerced into a decision that then the two would separate uh, would separate for a time after the betrothal, usually for about 10 months to a year, they would separate to prepare for their betrothal ceremony with a, with a ritual that was known as the mikvah. This ritual does not have anything to do 
with their relationship or with their marriage. It does not cause them to enter into marriage. But what the mikvah was, was that each the bride-to-be and the groom-to-be, after that choice has been made of the free will to be entering into a relationship one with the other, both would depart for a time, and before the betrothal ceremony, they would both allow themselves to be completely immersed or baptized in water as a picture of the, the spiritual cleansing that would be necessary for them to have a God-fearing home, for them to have the marriage that, uh, to them to have a marriage that honors God. This bride-to-be pictures the rapture of the church and that it pictures who is able to be a part of the church that Jesus will uh, soon rapture out, who is allowed to be part of the body of Christ that Christ will return for. I'm preaching to a group of people <coughs> this evening. You are uh, no Bible slouches, amen. You understand the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 through 34 makes it clear that the church that those that are saved and those who have trusted Christ as their Savior are the bride of Christ. Jesus said in that or the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of God amen gave us the word of God in Ephesians 5 that said as he talked about the relationship between a husband and a wife he said I speak concerning Christ and the church. There's no doubt in the scriptures time and time again we could take all night going through the different passages but there's no doubt that the church those that are saved are the bride of Christ. Uh, trust in Christ means that uh, those that are uh, Christ's bride number one were not a part of the family of Christ before uh, this moment. John chapter number 8 verse 44 says ye are of your father the devil and the lust of your father ye will do. You see this ancient espousal meant that these two were not part of the same family or at least the same immediate family but two families were joining together and I'm thankful this evening that even though I was not a part of God's family amen I had the ability to become part of God's family when I made a voluntary choice to accept him as my savior the holy ghost the servant of my father if you will came to where i was and said will you go with this man and there was a day in my life as an eight-year-old boy where i said i will go and i gave my heart to jesus christ that does not follow with the uh, teaching of a calvinistic doctrine that says that you have no choice amen but the jewish espouse also teaches us right here in the Christmas story that salvation is of the free will of man. You must choose to enter into such a relationship to be the bride of the bridegroom. Not only does it mean that we, are, we were not part of the groom's immediate family, we were not part of Christ's family before, but we are offered through another, as I've already said, to join with the groom in a relationship that would lead to the full privileges of man. Marriage. Jesus said in John chapter number 6 in verse 44 no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him John 16 13 speaking of the Holy Ghost the Bible said Jesus said how be it when he the spirit of truth is come he will guide you into all truth and for he shall not speak of himself but whatever he 
shall hear, that shall he speak. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It was the Holy Ghost, uh, the representative of the Father that came and offered us the ability to be born again. Not only that, but the Bible says that you and I, just like this soon-to-be bride and soon-to-be husband, we must voluntarily agree to enter into this relationship. Romans chapter number 10, verse number 8 through 11, and Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 8 are explicitly clear. Whosoever, shall, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a choice. He talks about, he says, that if we would confess him. Amen. If we would believe on him, we would be able to be saved. All of that is done with a free will voluntarily. Amen. As a choice. And then number four, this part of the this entering into this betrothal ceremony, that mikvah, that full immersion in water after the voluntary agreement that has been made that just like these couples, we were baptized by immersion after we made a choice for each other. We were baptized by immersion after we chose to trust in Christ as our Savior. It did not cause us to enter into our salvation. It did not add anything to our relationship with God. But just like in the Jewish espousal, it was a picture of a spiritual cleansing that had taken place deep within our hearts. They were baptized for what they needed. We were baptized for receiving already that which we need. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was baptized from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We were baptized in water, yes, physically, but there's more of a baptism that happened to me when I got saved than just being baptized in water. I received a spiritual baptism into the death of Christ. Amen. That water baptism pictures what Jesus did with him the day I got saved. Spiritually, I went with him in death, and spiritually, I was raised with him in the resurrection to walk in newness of life. Amen. Baptism tells us a couple of things. Amen. Not only is there the physical part, amen, the baptism is something in which we follow the path of others too. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? And, and this Jewish espousal, you know why they entered into that mikvah? It's because all the generations of the past did it. They did it traditionally. You and I are not only with baptism following in the footsteps of thousands of other born-again believers who went through the waters of baptism, amen, and went through a spiritual baptism as well, but according to Matthew chapter number 3 and verse number 16, we also, as they followed their ancestors, we also followed the example of Jesus Christ in baptism. Matthew chapter 3 verse 16 tells us about baptism. We follow the path of others. Our heavenly groom was baptized separately from us. Matthew chapter 3 verse 16 tells us that he was baptized in Israel's Jordan River. We were baptized physically in the baptistries of the United States of America and spiritually in the death, into the death of Jesus Christ. 
The history of this betrothal says that once the immersion had taken place, once the bride-to-be and the groom-to-be had entered into this mikvah ceremony, the bride-to-be and the groom-to-be would enter into the hoopah or the marriage canopy underneath this. You think about our marriages a lot of times, amen, especially if you have an outdoor wedding, you'll have some kind of awning or some kind of tent uh, that uh, you enter into. When uh, Brother James and Miss Anna got married out here in the field, I had to stand underneath uh, an awning that they had, and that's where they stood. It's very similar here. <coughs> they had this <coughs> marriage <coughs> canopy that was used to symbolize the new household that God was giving them as the two individuals were joining and becoming one and the two families were joining and becoming one and that they underneath that canopy established a binding contract together. It was this contract that Mary and Joseph would have entered into that caused them to be engaged yet legally married at the same time. The espousal meant that the full wedding process had not been finalized yet, but that the contract had been signed. So therefore, that's how you can have an espoused wife and a spoused husband for the two for the affiance period not to end at the marriage but to continue on until the ending of the marriage ceremony this betrothal part had its own ceremony it had its own group of events that you were not fully husband and wife and with full privileges until the later to take place marriage ceremony was over. One of the things that would make this betrothal contract so legally binding was the fact that the Jew, that this Jewish couple would, uh, this agreement, this contract would be sealed with a financial repayment. Remember how I mentioned just a few minutes ago that when the bride marries a groom, she leaves her family and becomes parts of his. And now her family is missing a vital worker and a vital part of their, of their home's uh, uh, production that they need for their family. So therefore, it would be the responsibility of the husband of the groom, the husband of the groom-to-be, or the, excuse me, the father of the groom-to-be, to pay the price that would be necessary for uh, the bride, for that bride's family to what they viewed as, 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 as fitting for them losing her as a worker. They had to financially repay that to that family. Here's what it means, and many of you may be already ahead of me. When they entered into the marriage contract, the price had to be paid, and it was the father of the groom and the groom that worked together to pay the price that was necessary for the groom to have a bride. <clears throat> the groom would give the payment to the bride. 
The father a lot of times would, would help in that payment or even at times be responsible for that payment. But it was the groom that brought the payment directly to the bride. Many times the, the price could be something as small as a ring. Uh, and the ring would be of such value that they could use it for their financial means. Or even at times it could be in some, in some, uh, in, in, in some families even a cup of expensive wine depending on the circumstance. Wine in the Bible, just so I can remind you, is a picture of the blood of Jesus. We use grape juice, the red grape juice in our communion, uh, in our communion uh, uh, services to picture the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And amen, the blood of Jesus Christ was that payment that was agreed to by both the Father and the Son uh, that, the, that the groom would pay, that our heavenly bridegroom would pay to secure him a bride. Amen. First Peter says this, First Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 18. You don't have to write this down, but First Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 18 says this. Uh, the Bible says, uh, uh, the Bible says, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, and without spot. Amen. The Bible tells us uh, in 1 John chapter number 1 and verse number 7, the Bible says, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. John says, how is it that sinful mankind can have a relationship with God? It is through the blood of His Son. That was the price that was paid. Amen man for us to have a man a relationship with the son of God our heavenly bridegroom this payment was the seal upon the wedding vows. It was the seal uh, between these two that would be seen in the eyes uh, that, that, that caused these two to be seen in the eyes of all of those that knew them that they were legally married. And at the point where uh, uh, the will has been, the, the willing choice has been made and the baptism of spiritual cleansing has taken place and the wedding ceremony a contract has been made and sealed with a price. From that moment on, these two were seen as legally bound together. It would take a divorce at this moment, even though they are in their engagement period, it would take a legal divorce to cause them to be separated. That's how binding this was. That's why in Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 18 and 19, the Bible said that Joseph struggled with the idea of putting Mary away, thinking she had been unfaithful when he found her with child. Uh, amen. He looked at her, saw that she was pregnant, thought of it in natural terms, and said she must have, uh, she must have been unfaithful, and so I'm going to put her away. It would have, that, that putting away, when the Bible mentions putting 
away. That is biblical terminology for divorce. As Joseph laid his head on his pillow that night and was drifting off to sleep, the Bible said that he had been contemplating divorcing Mary, but he was too good of a man to make her a public example, which in this day, according to Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 10, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 38 and 40, and John chapter number 8 and verse number 5, the Mosaic law called for her to be stoned. Deuteronomy 21, 23, and 24 says that she would be stoned, punished, or even hung, even if she was, but even if they were just in the betrothal stage of marriage, God viewed it as legally binding. And so, therefore, there would have been a public execution upon Mary if she would have truly been unfaithful to Joseph. Joseph wanted to spare her from that. Mary and Joseph, by entering into this marriage covenant, entered in to the second wave, uh, the second way, excuse me, that the rapture uh, can uh, be pictured in the Christmas story. And that's not only by this bride-to-be, but by betrothal. I mentioned betrothal just a minute ago because that's how she transitioned into a bride-to-be. But once these events have taken place that I have already mentioned, now they are seen as legally in an arrangement called betrothal. Their relationship uh, together is legally binding. And this is where Mary and Joseph are in our text. They've went through this ceremony. The price has been paid. They are legally bound together. They are headed to the full fulfillment of a marriage ceremony. That is where they are when we come to the story that that we call the Christmas story. The ceremony has finished and now they are in a period of betrothal that is a waiting period. They're in a waiting period. It is for a, a, a period of, as I have stated, a, a time of 10 months to a year that unlike we have happened when we have marriage ceremonies. They're legally married, but for 10 months to a year after that legal contract has been made, Mary would have went back to her house and to her father and to her family. And for 10 months to a year, she would have stayed there even though she was now bound to another. You see, because the contract being entered into and because the price uh, had been paid for her, she no longer belonged to her father, even though for a temporary amount of time she was dwelling in his house. But Mary belonged to Joseph because the price had been paid. He had, she had been sent back to her father's house and Joseph would have went back to his father's house where it would have been his job for, for 10 months to a year to prepare a place for Mary and Joseph to dwell in as husband and wife. Here's the interesting thing though. Joseph would not do like we do when we prepare for marriage. He would not have been looking for land. He wouldn't have been looking for a piece of property to build on. In the Jewish economy, they did not, they did not go on somebody else's property or land. You know where Joseph would have built a home for Mary? He would have went to his father's house, and he would have built on to his father's house. 
He's not going somewhere separate to where it's just his own, but the place he would prepare for his bride would be in his father's house. Amen. Is anybody picking up what I'm laying down uh, this evening? Amen. That's what Joseph would be doing during this waiting period, and Mary would have went back uh, to her parents' house in the land that she had grown up in and in the world that she had known, even though because she no longer belonged to her father, she no longer belonged to her family, but she belonged to Joseph. She may be in that old world uh, that had been her dwelling. She may have been uh, in that familiar place, but she wasn't of it anymore. You see, you and I, when we get saved and we make that voluntary choice to enter into a relationship with Jesus and we enter into that covenant and we are bound to Him and we are His and He is ours and the price has been paid and with the, the price has been received on our behalf that now we're together. You know what you and I are doing prophetically in this moment? You and I are the bride just like Mary that has had to go back to our Father's house for a waiting period. Remember I told you John chapter number 8, Jesus looked at a group of humanity and he said, you are of your father the devil. Ephesians chapter number 2 tells you and I, amen, that we were in sin following the prince of the power of the air, walking naturally according to the course of this world. That's what we're used to. That's the world that we're living in now. You and I belong to somebody else. We are not of this world, but yet we're still in this world. And you know what we're waiting on? We're waiting on the opportunity to be able to rejoin our heavenly bridegroom and to join him in the house that he has prepared for us. You and I are in a world that is familiar, but we don't belong here anymore. And friend, I'm glad to report to you tonight that while we may be that bride and while we may be in a world but not of the world amen I'm glad to report to you it's only for a short time amen do you know why the groom would go to his father's house as I said he would be preparing a place for his bride he would be working and he would be working and he would be working be working hard and you know you and I we might work on something and we say, all right, that's good enough. I think I'm finished with my task. In the Jewish economy, it would have not been Joseph's ability to decide when he was done. When there was a Jewish groom that had become in, uh, betrothed to a Jewish girl, he would be working on that dwelling place for him and his wife that would be attached to the father's house. But according to their culture, y'all would think I got it out of the Bible, but according to their culture, it was no one could tell that, that betrothed young man that he was done building the place for his bride except for his father. And the, the, the groom-to-be would be sitting there working, and the father would come by and say, nope, you're not there yet. And the groom would just keep working, and the groom would just keep working, say, nope, you're not there yet. But in the process of time, as he walked by, and the groom-to-be would be working away, and hammering away, and building away, and preparing away, the, bride, the, the, bride, the bridegroom's father would look at the groom and say, you're done. You can go get your bride. 
No one was legally allowed to lease him to go get his bride except for the father. He would say, son, the preparation is done. Go get your bride. And the Bible tells us that that is exactly the way that it will be for you and I that are saved by uh, the grace of God. Amen. I'm glad to report to you this evening that the Bible has much to say. And one of my favorite chapters in all of the Word of God speaks just to that. Amen. Uh, the Bible tells us in John chapter number 14 that this, what the groom would do for his bride, is exactly what Jesus does for us. John 14 verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, talking about going to heaven. Jesus talking about going to his Father's house. Amen. I go to prepare a place for you. And then here's a promise. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am ye may be also. Amen. The Bible says in Matthew 24 and verse number 36, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only, Jesus said. Just like in the Jewish betrothal, just like in the Jewish espousal. G G uh, uh, the, the groom wouldn't have known. Joseph wouldn't have known. He, had have, he would have had to have his father say, it's time to go get your bride. And when the father said it was time to go, then all of that preparation, amen, he'd go get his bride. You see, when he left, when the groom left that betrothal ceremony and the bride and the groom parted ways and she went back to her people and he went back to his people, he told her, honey, I don't know how long I'm going to be. I'm going to prepare you a place, but I'll make you this promise. I'm going to come back for you and I'm going to receive you to myself and I'm going to bring you home one day. Amen. That's what happened to us. Matthew chapter number 25 and verse number 1 talks about, and I don't have time to go for those 13 verses this evening. You know the story of, uh, uh, you know the story of those virgins and how some were prepared when the bridegroom came and others weren't. Do you know why they weren't prepared? It's because he came in the night. They weren't expecting him at midnight. And they, the, the, uh, the history of this Jewish espousal said that the bride her one job, the groom is getting things ready. He's building a house. He's making preparation. Her one job is to keep the oil lamps ready just in case. This is their history. This was their custom. Just in case the father released the son to return for them in the night. They wanted to be able to see him coming. They wanted to have those lamps ready just like Matthew 25 verse 1 through 13. They, though there was some that kept their oil lamps burning and there were some that didn't. There were some prepared when the bridegroom came and there are others that were not ready. Their one job was to be ready and to always be looking for their bridegroom to come. Can I report to you this evening that Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 11 through verse number 14 says that you and I that are saved are to be looking for the blessed uh, the uh, looking for uh, the, great, uh, the, uh, the, the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior. You know what you and I should do while we're, while we're waiting on the Lord to return? 
two things, just like this bride. We're to be ready for Him to come, and we're to look for Him to come at any moment. That was what these ladies were supposed to do. That's what they were supposed to do while they were waiting on their bride and groom to come. This would happen once the father looked at the bride and said, or looked at the groom rather and said, all right, son, go get your bride. Whether it was at midnight or whether it was in the bright shining day, this would not be a quiet affair. Do you know how the groom in the Jewish culture, every Jewish boy would go get his bride? He would leave his father's house. He would leave the place that he had prepared. He would go to where his bride was in the land that she dwelled in. And it would not be a quiet thing. And with, with much celebration, with great noise, and with much fanfare and celebration, the groom would make his way to where the bride dwelled. And do you know the one thing that the bride would hear that would mark that the groom was nearby? It was the sound of the shofar. It was the sound of the ram's horn, the trump of Israel. And when the trump would blow, she would know the groom is coming. Can I remind you what 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 says? It says there's going to be a day for the church of the living God, for the bride of Christ, amen, that we will hear a trumpet sound. And when that shofar sounds and the trump sounds, you and I that are alive and remain will be called up together with the Lord to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The Hebrew term that the Jewish people would use to describe when the groom returns for the bride, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but I will give you the definition. Now remember, he's leaving his house and he's going to pick her up at her house. There's no elevation in that. It's walking on land. It's traveling by foot. You know the definition that the Hebrews use for the term when the husband, go, the, the husband, the groom-to-be go gets his bride? It means to lift up. There's no elevation in what they're doing physically. But I believe we have a God in heaven who's sovereign enough to know that you and I would be able to see what's taking place here and what the Jews did not have to do, even though their word called for it. The Bible says that you and I will one of these days be lifted up and what we call the rapture will be snatched up out of here. We'll lift up out of here. And I know there's a bunch of critics that say, oh, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. And you're right. It's not in the Bible. But the description of lifting is. Amen. And we're going to be lifted up. And that when the bride go, when the groom goes gets the bride, it was called the lifting up of the bride. And he would receive her unto himself. He would take her from there. Take her to their house where they would once again enter into that marriage canopy. Where they would ha have a blessing over their wine. They would finalize their, their marriage vows. And they would enjoy a banquet together. The bride-to-be, that's number one. Number two is the betrothal. Number three is the banquet. They would enjoy, here's their word. This is the literal definition of their Hebrew word they used to describe that marriage meal. They call it a marriage supper. Can I remind you, 
Brother Cody, if you've been coming through Revelation, you've probably gotten pretty close to, if not already passed, the marriage supper. Matthew chapter number 9, excuse me, Revelation chapter number 19 talks about a marriage supper for the Jews, this uh, that entered into this wedding canopy to finalize the wedding ceremony after the bride had been picked up by the groom. They would enter into that wedding canopy again. That was a picture of entering into God's presence as husband and wife. Once they had entered into that canopy that pictured God's presence, they would take wine and they would bless the Lord for the wine. That pictures the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and also wine in the Bible pictures joy that the children of God can have in Christ through his blood so when they enter in there when when they when the when the when the uh, the groom goes and gets the bride a picture of the rapture do you know where he takes her back home under that to their father's house amen to the place that's been prepared to where they'll walk in to the very presence of God and they'll thank God and they'll bless the Lord for the shed blood and they'll have a time of joy forever as they worship that they are now forever in the presence of God and they're together forever with him for Thessalonians 4 17 says to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord I don't have time to preach this the way I want let me give you just two more minutes and I'll be done Thank you for hanging on to the message tonight. Revelation chapter number 4. If you're a student of your Bible, Revelation chapter number 4, verse number 1, pictures the rapture of the church. Come up hither, that pictures the rapture of the church. Revelation chapter number 4, verse number 2, through the following chapters, they enter in to a heavenly scene. They, just like this Jewish wedding, they are in heaven. They are in the presence of God. Revelation chapter number 19, where the Bible talks about this marriage supper. When you read Revelation chapter number 19 and verse number 1 through 6, you know what you're reading? You're reading as the children of God are rejoicing and having joy about being in heaven. Bless the Lord for this, and bless the Lord for that, and they're praising God for uh, the, the, uh, the mystery Babylon being defeated, and, and for uh, the, the being able to be the saints of God. You go back and read verse 1 through 6 and tell me if what I just mentioned about that wedding is not true. They enter in the presence of God in chapter 4 verse 2, and for the next several chapters, it's just rejoicing and rejoicing and praising God, and hallelujah this, and hallelujah that. That's exactly what they would do. Revelation chapter number 19 and verse number 7. After all of that rejoicing, they would have a marriage supper. They would be at this marriage supper, according to tradition, for seven days. The marriage supper of the Lamb, as you and I prophetically sit at that marriage supper of the Lamb, you know what is finishing up here on earth? Seven years of a tribulation period. Daniel says that the tribulation, he calls the tribulation period Daniel's 70th week. 
He says that the tribulation period will be a week of years. Seven days is a week. Tribulation period is a week of years. It is seven years. This Jewish uh, marriage supper of the Lamb would be a week of days. Represents that week of years of the tribulation period. And while we're enjoying a time in heaven worshiping the Lord here on earth for those who did not voluntarily choose Christ as their Savior, they're going through seven years of a tribulation period here on earth. And then after uh, that period is over, you and I will return with the Lord together just like marriage couples do. Married couples do. You see, once the bride took that, once the bride, the groom brought the bride back to his house, once they finalized their wedding vows, once they entered into their home, and physically speaking, there would be a consummation of the relationship. Now we know according to the Bible, the Bible is specific to tell us that did not happen with Mary and Joseph until after Jesus was born, but they'd end in their house and they would enjoy the full privileges of marriage and they would be in essence together forever. When you come to Revelation 19, right after the marriage supper of the Lamb, you find our heavenly bridegroom and us his bride together forever. Once we enter into his presence in Revelation chapter number 4, we never leave his presence for the rest of the word of God and for the rest of eternity. Even in Revelation chapter number 19 and verse number 11 and Revelation chapter number 19 and verse number 14, when the Lord comes back and he returns in the second coming to make war, do you know who's following him? The armies of all heaven behind him. That's you and I. He steps out on a white battle stallion and all of us that are saved by the grace of God the bride of Christ that chose him and entered into a contract with him and had the price of his blood applied to us we've entered into his presence and we'll never leave him again First Thessalonians 4 is true when it says and so shall we ever be with the Lord even after the marriage supper, even in the second coming, you and I, just like a good bride, we refuse to leave our heavenly bridegroom. When he comes to the world to battle and to make war, so does the bride. Once they finalize those vows, they're together forever. Whether it be in the battles of life, like Revelation 19, or whether it be in the blessings of their relationship together, Revelation chapter 21 verse 2 through 4 says that the children of God with their heavenly bridegroom will enjoy a new home forever. They will live in a land without tears, pain, problems, or anything else that would cause there to be any issues. There's no hard times, no bad days ever again. The, the bride and a groom enjoy both the battles and the blessings of life together. And once our marriage to the Lord, we enter into those full privileges of marriage. We enjoy, we, we go through the battles, Revelation 19, making war with Him, and we enjoy the blessings of a new Jerusalem prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We enjoy the wiping away of every tear from our eyes and the passing away of the former things together. And when the Bible concludes, you know where we are, exactly where we entered into. Amen. We're still in the presence of God forever. I report to you tonight.
the Jewish espousal of Mary and Joseph. When we see what that truly means in light of the scriptures, we see the rapture of the church in the story of Christmas. Tonight, I want to ask you the question, have you accepted the Lord's offer for salvation? Have you done like that bride had to do? Say, yes, I choose Jesus. I will go with him. Have you been living in a way that shows that you're prepared for the Lord to return at any time? If not, I'd encourage you to get that way this evening. Are you sure that, uh, that you will go to heaven with, to, to be with him forever? Should he come this very moment? Are you 100% sure? Because the bride is supposed to always be ready for the Lord to come. He could come this very moment. He could come before we leave this evening. Are you ready? Are you going to be at that marriage supper? Or will you be left behind to face the tribulation period and an eternity in hell? If your answer to all of those questions is not a most definite yes, I encourage you to find your place in an altar where I can take the Bible and show you how you can turn your nose to yeses, how you can know those things for a fact. I encourage you this very evening to make sure that you're saved by the grace of God, that you're part of the bride of Christ, and that you will be with Him forever. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.